0: Welcome to another episode of the Call for Caring on Purpose podcast. My name is Michelle Bolden, and I'm your host as we journey through caregiving together. The goal of our Call for Caring on Purpose podcast is to educate, elevate, and empower the caregivers during their caregiver journey. Our initial episodes are going to take us to our third annual Family Caregiver Expo, which is going to be held on Saturday, November the 20th. We'll provide additional details at the end of the conversation about the expo. So, today we're continuing a conversation on the series around planning the caregiver journey. So, our topic today is legal resources. Now, regardless of where you are in your caregiver journey, you're the beginning, middle, or end, it's never too late to make changes or to prepare yourself for your own journey as you begin to get older in life. So I'm happy to introduce our guest today, Robert Goldberg. He's an estate planning attorney from Robert M. Goldberg & Associates. So welcome, Bob.
1: Thank you so much, Michelle, for having me. I really appreciate the invitation. It's very, very nice of you to have me here. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk to your caregivers because... You know I've been doing this for twenty two years, and our, our mission is to help caregivers take care of everyone and everything they they love, so this is the heart of my strike zone, so I appreciate the opportunity
0: wonderful and i I can tell it's a passion of yours as, as we've worked together. Um, the audiences are always just amazed and just impacted by the information that you share. So I'm so excited we have you today to kind of share this with our virtual audience here. So can you share a little more about your background and, and your current work?
1: Sure. This hit, just a little bit about me. I'm, I'm originally from a little town called Paramus, New Jersey. Paramus means land of wild turkey and lenny lenape indian so that's extra bonus knowledge for everyone and uh one secret people don't know about me is uh, i'm a proud paramus spartan class of 1978 and i'm i am a member of the new jersey wrestling hall of fame as the team of the decade (laughs) Wow, that is
0: something I didn't know.
1: Interesting. So, so, and you know, what I learned from that is, you know, you you don't have to be great yourself if you surround yourself with a good team, and that's important for caregivers to know. You know, you know, family, friends, home health agencies estate planning and elder law attorneys. There, there's people out there that can help you. You don't have to do it yourself. You can fulfill a team and then that will make you a member of the Hall of Fame.
0: Absolutely. Now,
1: now a- after graduating from high school, I was lucky enough to get an appointment to the United States Military Academy at West Point. And uh, I graduated from there in 1982. And I was a helicopter pilot for a while. And unfortunately, I got adult onset asthma and I could no longer fly. So I left the army and I went to law school, graduated from the University of Michigan Law School and uh, went into practice in 1990. And since 1995, I believe, I've been practicing elder law.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Which is really the, the part of estate planning that deals with helping people and their caregivers plan for chronic disability.
0: Right.
1: Right. And, and that's what this is about. Caregivers are helping people who have a chronic disability and can't take care of themselves.
0: Right. Right. Um, so, you know, and as we have these conversations, people often um, think about those who are caring for may only be seniors or, or elders, but this could be with, for anyone who has a disability. And so, when we talk about the family caregiver, we're talking about all types of family caregivers. Right, as right. Long as you're sure, caring sure. for
1: someone. Yeah. right? What, what What you're talking about was my was my first epiphany of elder law. <laughs> okay, because <It's, laughs> elder law is planning for chronic disability right? right. And, and they call this the practice of law for a reason, like you, you get this case come in, and it's kind of like Forrest Gump, right? Mm-hmm. you get These different boxes of chocolates and pieces of chocolate. And, you know, w- way back when, I, I, I got this case involving a disabled granddaughter who had inherited money from her grandfather. And, it, and by inheriting money directly, it, it kicked her off of supplemental security income and from medicaid Mm -hmm. and you know medicaid is vitally important to help pay for long-term care for older people with a chronic disability but it's the same body of law for you know a person who was born disabled or a person could be in a tragic accident i i live in midtown atlanta now and, you know, I, I run up and down Peachtree Road and I see families visiting with their loved ones at the Shepherd Center. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine people had car accidents or they right. dove into a pool. So, you know, you could be born disabled and you need someone to help you. Right. You could be in an accident. You, you could age and need care.
0: Right. You know, so let, let's kind of talk about that because what we wanted, the discussion I want to begin is to talk about estate planning. And right. so I know we've, had that conversation a lot in the past, but can you tell us what estate planning is? Because I think we have an image of estate planning as someone who has large amount of money and right. you know, all this land. So can right. you tell us what estate planning? What what exactly right.
1: is that? And, and, and first of all, I'm going to say I think you're right. Like like people think estate planning is about. Where does my stuff go when I die? And then they think like, well, I don't have a lot of stuff, so I really don't have to worry about this. So, so I, I think people have to think about this in a more comprehensive fashion. And, and my definition of estate planning starts with the idea of I want to stay in control. right? You, you, you can have a government court controlled plan where the law of the state of Georgia is going to dictate what happens. Or you can have your own wishes spelled out in writing. So so the fundamental bedrock principle of control. And then secondly, kind of dovetails with the issue of control. I want to take care of me. I want to take care of my spouse if I have one. I want to take care of my family if I were to become disabled. That's the disability planning piece. And again, go, going back to elder law, and, and even if you were born with a disability, because of advances in medicine, we are all living much, much longer with disability, and, and people are going to need help n- managing their finances, making medical decisions, and you know the, the things where Home helpers comes in, helping people with driving and shopping and cooking and cleaning and managing their medications, helping them with bathing and eating and dressing and even going to the bathroom right. and transferring like we, we we take all these things for granted. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're planning for incapacity, it's not just these legal aspects, you, you need to consider where am I going to live am I going to live at home with caregivers. Am I going to leave live in an assisted living? Do, 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 do I or the person I'm caring for need so much care, they need a nursing home? So, so, so take care of that. So control, disability, then and only then think about I want to leave what I have to who I want. And the way I want and and people don't give a lot of thought to the fact that even when you're dead and gone, you can leave instructions to stay in control, to leave what you have, even if it's just a house to who you want to leave it to. And that becomes important because do do you want to leave money and property to a person who's in a nursing home, knowing that they're only allowed to have two thousand dollars? And they're no longer going to be able to be on Medicaid. Do, do you want to leave money and property to a minor child? Mm-hmm. You, you have to think it through. How am I going to leave right. this? Right. And, and of course, you know, everyone needs to be cost conscious. We, we, we want to do all these things in order to save court costs, taxes, attorney's fees. So, so that, that's what I would say estate planning is, okay. this, this comprehensive plan.
0: Right. So let's let's take some key components that we deal with on a daily basis um, within estate planning. So, for example, let's talk about a power of attorney. Um, what is a power of attorney? Are there di- different types of power of attorney? Sure. And why would it be important to me as a caregiver to even have a power of attorney?
1: Yeah, and I'm going to get back to my idea of you know i'm going to be in control versus the government's going to be in control. So so there's basically this broad idea of advanced directives, d- directives that we make in advance. And then we have financial decision making and we have healthcare decision making. For financial decision making, everyone over the age of 18 because that's the age when people are allowed to own property should sign a durable power of attorney for financial affairs. It's durable because it survives the incapacity of the principal. The principal is the person who signs the power of attorney. That's who has to sign it. The, the person who owns the property is the principal. And in writing, they're delegating authority to this person who, who we will call the agent. And a lot of people are scared like, oh, I'm giving my rights away if I sign a power of attorney and I'm going to say, no, that's not true. What you're doing is it's a permission slip, giving permission to a trusted person to make financial decisions for you, sign agreements for you, pay your bills for you, mm-hmm. even you know, take your pets to the veterinarian for you. Mm-hmm. You know, in the event you become disabled. So that, that, that's the basic idea behind a financial power of attorney. And I'll, and I'll tell you the problems that I see, mm-hmm. that um, I often look at a power of attorney and only one agent will be appointed. There will not be a successor agent. What, what if the agent dies? What if the agent moves? What if the agent gets dementia? What if the agent doesn't want to do the job anymore? You, you need to have at least one backup. So and, and then second thing I see is, you know, the power of attorney is dangerous because like, oh, I don't need to see an attorney. I will just download this form off of the Internet and I will fill it out and I will sign it. Well, d- don't forget that attorneys are attorneys and counselors at law. And and people need to think through, what powers am I going to give my agent? Do I want to include gift-making powers? Because there could be a possibility at some point in time in the future, I will need to apply for Medicaid. Should there be trust-making powers, the powers to change beneficiaries? And I think it's dangerous people download a form, they just check off a bunch of boxes, they don't read it, they don't know what they're signing, and, you know, never, ever, ever sign anything if you don't understand it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, ba- basic bedrock advice. Mm-hmm. So th- that's the financial side. And, and and why are we doing this? To, to av- avoid probate court. D- death probate is probate to transfer ownership of property when you die under a will. Living probate is when you have to go to court And when we're talking about financial decisions to have a conservator appointed over you, a conservator, and you're going to be a ward. So if you don't do a power of attorney and you become demented or you have a horrific accident, well, now your family during this very troubling time has to go into court, file a petition, give notice. They could be fighting amongst each other about who's going to do this job and it becomes a mess.
0: Right. So the financial power of attorney is pretty important, and it allows for someone else to be able to have access to make some decisions for you. One, when you need them to, maybe because you're just not able to do it, or you become incapacitated, as you mentioned. And I'll give you an example. Um, We had a family in which they wanted to use the person's long-term care insurance. Mm-hmm. Well, they couldn't access any information about the long-term care insurance because they were not listed as a power of attorney. So right. it's just basic things like that. Right. They wanted to take that lift off of their parent, but they couldn't because they're not listed as a power of attorney.
1: That, that, that's a good example. You just reminded me of another case I had. Th- this woman went you know o- online to one of these online services which I will not mention and she created a power of attorney it was a form power of attorney and her husband had early onset dementia and had worked for the FAA and he had the, the government IRA the TSP and he, her, the husband needed to go into an assisted living and she needed to get into his IRA his TSP in order to get money to pay for his care. So she sends the power of attorney to, to the administrator of his retirement fund. And they're like, we're really, really sorry about your husband, but we can't help you. There's no authority in this power of attorney to deal with his retirement funds. So we had to go to Fulton County probate court from Fayette County, you know, in, in five points where you cannot even park and get, get a, conservatorship, so she could get access to her own husband's money. And that's another thing people think like, oh, I'm, I'm married to them, you know, that they'll let me get into the account. No, 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 right? An individual retirement account, these long-term care insurance policies, they're owned by an individual. So, so you got to have that power of attorney or a conservator appointed to get access.
0: And so I think that it's just, you know, we're all learning in this process. And so that's the good thing that you know, people don't understand. And I think that's why we get into some of the situations that we just mentioned. And that's why it's so good to have these conversations and people to know, because we want you to avoid to do that. And so no one is saying, you know, someone's wrong or people we just don't know. And I think that's good that people we're having this conversation, people can listen to uh, about what they need to do next. So let's talk a little bit about the health power of attorney.
1: Great, great. Sure. So there's really three components to, to healthcare advanced directives. And, and the first is the healthcare power of attorney, which is similar to the financial power of attorney in that a, a principal signs a legal document delegating authority to their agent to make healthcare decisions for them. And, and, and here again, you're not giving your rights away, you're creating a chain of command. I want to back up here too. Where the healthcare agent doesn't do what they would want to do. The, the healthcare agent has a legal duty to substitute the judgment of the person, the principal who signed the health care power of attorney. So I advise everyone, however difficult they think it might be, it's an unpleasant conversation to learn what the person they're caring for would want right because if if they don't know what they would want if they say oh let's talk about something more pleasant i don't want to talk about that how do how are you going to substitute their judgment you won't know what to do and 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 i think you're doing your family a disservice if you sign this document and you put it in a drawer. It has to be the basis for a conversation. If the first time your family is faced with making a decision is when they see you in intensive care with tubes coming out of you, they're going to be an emotional wreck. They're not going to be making the best decisions, but, but if it's been discussed, then at least they can go like, Oh, I remember we, this is terrible, but we talked about this and I know what they would want, right? They, they, they wouldn't want this, they would want that. So, mm-hmm. so the healthcare power of attorney, you pick the person, stay in control. The, then, well, Congress created this law, it's called HIPAA, right? The Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. And our medical information is private as to us. So we, we want a HIPAA release to give the doctor's permission to release our information to our healthcare agent. And then finally, th- there's the living will and, and, and the living will is a legal document where we put in writing our end of life wishes. Now, now, why are we doing this? Well, to provide clear and convincing evidence of our end of life wishes. We, we, we don't want to leave people guessing um, we, we don't want to have to rely on, oh, you know, Bob was in the kitchen and he said he wouldn't want to live like grandma and be on a feeding tube. No, 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 that's not enough. You know, we, we attorneys, we like things in writing. We like things witnessed. We like things notarized. He, here's the evidence of the end of life wishes. So that, that, that covers healthcare decision making.
0: I think it's so important, whether it's a legal aspect or any other part of planning for your loved one, that they're included in that decision making. Because one, you honor whatever their wishes are. You may not agree with it. You may not understand it, but that's their wishes and we want to honor it. The other thing, what it does for you, the family caregiver and others is that it takes a heavy lift off of making this decision for someone that sometimes can can be very difficult to make when you're in stressful situations. Um, You don't want to feel like you're pulling the plug or making that tough decision for your loved one. And they've already done that. And that weight is not on you. You know that you've honored their wishes and you have to keep the mind about that. So yeah, that's also important.
1: And, 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 I, and I, if you look at the whole, you know, the first book I read as an estate planning attorney, it was a book called The Loving Trust. It wasn't called The Living Trust. It was called A, a Loving Trust. And, and if you come at this in a way like, you know, wh- what's the best way I can show love towards my family? Well, Well, do you want, you know, your family's already upset that you're sick they're upset when they lose you do you want to add to their discomfort or or as you said give them greater peace of mind Mm -hmm. and i think out of love for our families we should be doing this planning rather than sticking our heads in the sand
0: right and you know as families we have good times we have difficult times and so not everyone agrees so in situations where family members disagree how their loved one is being cared for or treated um, and there is not a power of attorney sign, are there legal actions that be- can be taken sure. to resolve conflict?
1: Sure. Now, I- I- in my office, if I'm involved in an elder law case, you know, even if someone has diminished capacity and their agent under their power of attorney is coming to me, right, because the agent can hire me. I, I always make the elder my, my client, right? And, and then I know my, my duty is to my client and all of the family's duty should be towards the best interests of their loved one, right? That, that, that is the North Star guiding star. But w- w- what, what if we disagree on what the best interests are? Well, Abraham Lincoln said, discourage litigation, Persuade your neighbors to compromise whenever you can. Point out to them how the nominal winner is often a real loser in fees, expenses, waste of time, family drama. As a peacemaker, the lawyer has a superior opportunity of being a good man. There will still be business enough. So I would say the first step is maybe informal mediation. Mm-hmm. There's a dispute go to someone who has experience in these matters, hopefully listen to them. Then there's more formal mediation where you have a a third party trying to help people resolve disputes. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, when people cannot resolve disputes and and we're talking about disputes over care, let's say, Mm -hmm. even if there's a power of attorney, we, we, we might see a petition to have that conservator appointed that this person no longer has capacity, your honor judge of the probate court. And this person should be appointed the conservator because the power of attorney is not doing their job, right? Yeah. And th- that, that's a court action. A petition has to be filed with the court. The proposed ward has to be evaluated by a doctor or a psychiatrist, a psychologist, or a social worker. And the proposed ward has to have an attorney appointed for them. There, there has to be a hearing. Evidence has to be presented. So that, that that's why I'm saying it's better to try and work these things out. Yes. So what 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 would what what would mommy or daddy want? Right. And and what what is in mommy's daddy's best interest if we cannot figure out what they would want, you know, r- rather than going into court and airing your dirty laundry, I will say. Right.
0: Absolutely. So it, it sounds like you could be in court for weeks, months, years, resolving that issue. And your your loved one may no, no longer be there yeah. instead of focusing on taking care of them and giving them a great quality of life until the end of their life. You're right. in court arguing with one another. So absolutely right. mediation and trying to resolve internally sounds like the best option Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Keep, keep, no. the, keep the attorneys out of it. Remember, remember right. what I said. That, you know that that fourth prong of estate planning. I want to save every dollar I can on a court on court costs and attorneys' fees. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: and and the the attorneys are going to make out if you're fighting.
0: Right. So one one other thing that I think about when I think um, of some experiences with family caregivers is that um, often we see their loved one has has added them like to their bank account. So they just put their name on there so right. they can have ac- access to their funds. Are right. there any disadvantages to that type of arrangement?
1: Yes, we in the estate planning profession do not like that arrangement mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons. And the, the, the first reason is if you put someone on a bank account, they're now the co-owner of that account. Mm-hmm. So, so you have put your asset at risk. You put them on a house. Co-owner now gets sued. The co-owner gets divorced. The co-owner goes bankrupt. Your, your asset is at risk. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what if it's a house and, and you, you decide you want to sell the house? And the co-owner says, you know, I don't really think market conditions are great at this point in time, right? You, you've lost control. You violated the fundamental directive of estate planning. And, and then when you look at, I want to leave what I want to who I want, the way I want, well, the, the joint owner inherits everything, mm. right? And, and they're going like, oh, they'll do the right thing. You know, they'll share everything with their brothers and sisters, And uh, I can trust them to do the right thing. But legally, the the joint owner becomes the sole owner upon the death of the other joint owner. They they own everything. And there's no legal obligation to to share their property with anyone else. So, you know, yeah, you might avoid probate, you might give access, but you, you can give access during lifetime through a financial power of attorney.
0: Okay. And I was going to say, so what would be the best way to
1: address that? Have, have a comprehensive financial power of attorney, take it to the bank, take it to every financial institution, have it approved, have it on file. And you don't have to be an owner on the account. You have rights to use the account for the principal. And if the agent gets sued, well, it's, it's not their money. It's the principal money. If the agent gets divorced, it's not at risk. If you're doing this to avoid probate, you know, you can use pay on death designations, you, you, you can create what's called a revocable living trust and create beneficial interest. So I really, 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 that was three realies. Do not <laughs> like, do not like joint ownership.
0: Okay. Okay. Now we talked a little bit about the living will, advanced directives. And so I just want to add just a little more clarity on that because sometimes those terms are used interchangeably. Um, Are they the same? Are they not the same? And then kind of what?
1: So so I I use advanced directives as a blanket term to cover all of your disability planning, right? So, So you'd have your financial power of attorney, and your healthcare advanced directives, which is the blanket term for your healthcare instructions. And then underneath healthcare advanced directives, healthcare power of attorney, HIPAA release, living will.
0: Okay, okay, great. Um, generally we do ask, um, for example, our clients about advanced directives and kind of make sure that we want to honor them. And I know you and I have had, you and I have had some conversations about advanced directives and there may be certain types of advanced directives based upon that person's illness. Can you speak a little bit about your philosophy around dementia, for example? And those, Right. mm
1: -hmm. right. I don't know. It's kind of like a pet area for me god bless america you know i served in the army and i I really believe in our personal liberty and one thing with dementia that really struck me is you know you you could lose the ability to eat Mm -hmm. and and i I use you know in discussion with people if they want it you know specific instructions relating to hand feeding Mm -hmm. you know ranging from you know feed me put a feeding tube in to you know put food in front of me and if i don't eat it that's okay please don't for force food down my throat you know i i know i have dementia i know this is a natural progression of d- dementia right. and, and, I, and i think that's something that people overlook using these forms right. in the forms it doesn't it talks about medical care right. and in his hand feeding medical care Well, well not really My point being, the the more specific we are, instructions. uh, You know, imagine a daughter. You know, with the situation where where her mother's been in in a nursing home for seven years, Mm -hmm. being spoon fed, and she never had this conversation with her mother. Mm -hmm. You know, Mom, would you want to be spoon fed Mm -hmm. if your, your life consisted of being spoon fed, laying in a bed, and having someone move you so you don't get bed sores and you know you don't even know that you're sitting in a poopy diaper and you you stopped recognizing any of the family you know right. 5 years ago right wait h- how do you not feed your mother if you haven't had the conversation yeah. but, but but if your mother told you if i get to the point where i can't recognize you god had bigger plans for me right, right. god made me in his image and i'm giving you permission not to feed me because i I'd, I'd rather go back to the lord than you know, lay in the bed in a poopy diaper.
0: Right, and you know it, it. That that is a very hard conversation to have. It's uncomfortable for both parties, but it's just so important that it's had because again, you honor their wishes. It takes the stress off of you, and it it relieves them from having maybe a prolonged life that they never intended to having. You know, so right. cool. I know it's a tough discussion to our listeners, but. You know we ask that you take the time to be able to do that and yeah. so um so what we're going to do now is that we're going to take a sponsor break um and we're going to talk about some other legal aspects the family caregiver may need to address um as they're caring for their loved one through their journey or even just for yourself things to think about for yourself so we'll be right back We would like to thank our sponsor, Home Helpers of North Atlanta. They are giving care the way you want to be cared for. You can schedule a free assessment at 404-624-4663. Welcome back. We want to thank our sponsor. We've been having an informative conversation today with attorney Robert Goldberg. So I want to jump right back in. And we were talking about different scenarios or legal aspects that a family caregiver may need to face. And so are there other common scenarios that you've assisted family caregivers in resolving that we may want to talk about today?
1: Well, you know, one, one big thing that I get involved with is, um, you know, paying for care and qualifying for VA benefits, qualifying for Medicaid. So, you know, and and I look at putting together care as a patchwork quilt, you know, you might have some family caregivers and you might have some home health as you're, you move down what I call the elder care continuum and you need more help. You you might move into an assisted living. You might move into uh, a skilled nursing facility that that, that's the, the nursing home. So one of the things we do as counselors is just, you know, try and, ascertain the level of care people need, and help with the counseling aspect. Where, where is your loved one going to live? Do, do they live in another state? Are they going to move here? When they move here, are they going to move in with you? Are they going to move into an independent living and assisted living? And then we get into you know, who's going to help take care of them. And if, if they're at home, that that's where you, you could come in with home helpers, you get you know, private duty nurses helping, you know, obviously the nurses in the assisted living will help care for people, mm-hmm. the nurses in the skilled nursing facilities will help people. And, and then you get into the area of how am I going to pay for care? Right. right? And, and basically, there's, you know, three ways to pay for care, you, you, you could have enough money, where you can private pay for care, with your income and, and assets that you might have, you know, you can have long-term care insurance but oftentimes people wait too late and, and they cannot get long-term care insurance I, I will tell our caregivers listening in you know if, if you're you know young enough and healthy enough to qualify to have a long-term care insurance policy you know you should at least be having the the, the discussion and find out if you can afford the premium and then th- there's public benefits you know th- there's VA pension, which has nothing to do with disability, has nothing to do with service connection. VA pension, also known as aid and attendance, can provide assistance to pay for help in the home. It can provide assistance to pay for assisted living. It's a needs-based benefit, and we don't have the time to get into the complexities.
0: Well, you know, I will say that it is worth our listeners checking it out if they are a veteran, their loved one is a veteran, or they're a spouse of a veteran as well, there may be opportunities for them to be able to take advantage of some of those pension benefits. Right. So that is worth just kind of adding that note in there.
1: And you just reminded me, I want to, I want to, you know, this is really new news. Like the, 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 the VA has expanded presumptive agent orange conditions presumptive agent orange used to only be for Vietnam veterans of a certain time frame okay Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and one new wrinkle in the law is blue water veterans like you don't you no longer have to have been boots on the ground in Vietnam Mm. someone who was in the Navy who was in the territorial waters of Vietnam okay you know, is presumed to have been exposed to Agent Orange. So if someone was boots on the ground in Vietnam and they got Parkinson's disease or ischemic heart disease, and there's a whole list of things, then the the veteran could be entitled to compensation and the veteran spouse may be entitled to dependent indemnity compensation when the veteran dies you know, and and that's a lot of money that can be used to pay for care.
0: And
1: and the other good thing is that they've added presumptive conditions for Gulf War veterans. Mm. So if someone's caring for a Gulf War veteran, and they were previously told, you don't qualify for disability benefits, well, they might qualify now.
0: Okay, wow, that's great information. Good. Okay. And so we talked a little bit, you mentioned a little bit about the Medicaid and Medicare programs. Right.
1: So, so I want to distinguish between Medicare, which is medical care. And, you know, me- Medicare has some ho- home health benefits now, like if you're getting a skilled therapy, you, your doctor can order some home health now that that that's been added. But you know, it's, it's not going to provide for custodial care. I want our audience to consider Medicare is health insurance for people over 65, people who have had a disability for two years and they've been adjudicated disabled by Social Security. Mm -hmm. Medicaid is medical aid and medical aid will pay for care in the home under what's called a waiver program. There's the elderly and disability waiver that will help pay for care in, in the home. And then Medicaid, this medical aid, will pay for nursing home care. And one thing I see with Medicaid is just people are scared of it. You know, they're going to, the government's going to take the house and they're going to take everything I own. And, and I'm just going to say, in the interest of time, you know, th- th- there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation. So, There are things that are allowed to be done under the law that can protect assets for the the healthy spouse at home, um, a a disabled child taking care of a spouse. There's just a lot of things in the law that are allowed to be done where people, if they're afraid of losing everything, you know, they they need to see, you know, and I'm not saying this to be self-serving. I'm saying this because Like people don't know what they're doing and they're giving people bad advice and they're making them afraid. If they talk to a competent, experienced elder law attorney who really, really knows the law, they can end up in a good place, get their loved one cared for while protecting everything that was worked so hard for during a lifetime
0: wow that that's that's a great summary as we begin to wrap up this conversation just that last liner but i will say for medicaid and medicare that is a discussion that's all of in its own and so i'm excited that we will have some experts on to talk about wow. each program individually about medicaid and medicare as well so Bob, what are two actions that you recommend our caregivers do immediately after listening to this podcast?
1: H- have the unpleasant conversation, d- d- discuss it. Right. You know, you know, no one's going to live forever. No one's going to be able to take care of themselves forever. So wh- where are you going to live? If, if you can't drive, shop, cook, clean, bathe, eat, dress, toilet, transfer, where are you going to live? who's going to take care of you? What's your plan? The other thing I would say is have really good advanced directives in place so you don't end up in probate court and living probate. And I'll give you a, a third, think about where you're leaving, what you're leaving, who you're going to leave it to, and how you're going to leave it to them. You don't want to leave money and property directly to someone with a disability when they are receiving public benefits a single person is only allowed to have two thousand dollars and i see grandparents leaving money to grandchildren i see spouses leaving money to spouses who, who are disabled, who are in a nursing home, and, and they just gave away the money to the nursing home.
0: There's, there's a, a lot to unpack there. And I think we gave people a lot of good information to think about. And so are there any websites, phone numbers, social media that you recommend yeah. the listeners follow and kind of keep up with that can help them along this legal um, journey? Yeah,
1: so uh, estateplanning.com. You know, just estateplanning.com is some very good information on estate planning. I'm a member of a, an organization called NALA, N-A-E-L-A, the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys. NAELA has a great website. Alzheimer's Association has a great website to help caregivers. Um, the Louis Bodies Dementia Association has a great website for caregivers. The, the Roslyn Carter Center is a great great resource for caregivers. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I would say that those are, you know, things I look at. I read a great article yesterday, Tom Coughlin is caring for his wife. And if people Google, you know, New York times, Tom Coughlin caregiver, he talks about the stresses facing caregivers and what a thankless job it is being a caregiver. Wow. So so those are the websites I I I would look at.
0: Okay. Yeah, this definitely is a journey where people often feel like they're alone and they're in a silo, but we want to let them know that they're not. And so we want to be able to have a community around to be able to help you. So you don't have to be alone in this. There are resources that can help you. People have been where you are now and have learned what to do and how to maybe do things a little bit better, or at least helpful to you so that your experience is good and not stressful.
1: And, and, and I'm even going to, you know, people are terrified on spending money, about spending money. But but if you have a big enough problem, to, you know, does it make sense? Build a team of experts, you know, if you can afford it, right? But, you know, it, it, it's okay to help. It's okay to get help and, and, and to pay for help. There's no, nothing wrong with that. People right. don't have to do this all themselves. And, and if you're someone's agent, you, you can use their money to pay for the help you need to pay to take care of them.
0: Yes. Yes. So Bob, it can how can people follow up with you if they have questions? Um, what's the best way to get in so, touch with you?
1: So, so I, I will give, you know, my, my email, I am at R Goldberg, G O L D B E R G at Goldberg E P that's echo papa, dot com r goldberg goldberg ep.com and you know, if, if you have a very short question i can answer it if, if you have a long question i would suggest calling seven seven zero two two nine five seven two nine and you can make an appointment for a free consultation with me
0: awesome. and then
1: and then you can you know i i there's some stuff on my uh blog on my website that's just goldberg estate planning dot com okay. and 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 I, I have three offices, one's, one's in Atlanta, one's in Peachtree City, one's in Griffin, but we've been doing a lot of our meetings virtually. So, you know, I could even meet people over the phone, meet people on Zoom, you know, think, things are easy now. We okay. all learned how to use Zoom, right?
0: Right, that's right. <laughs> and, you know, I just want to remind people, I know Bob is here in Georgia, and each state has their own individual laws, but I think, you still want to look at elderly law or estate planning in your state and kind of see right. what you need to do to be able to do that. While Georgia and, may have different terms, et cetera, there are still available resources for you to be able right. to access and, that information. And, and
1: NALA, NAEL, NAELA, that, that Naela.com, N-A-E-L-A.com okay. is a great place. They, they have a find an, an elder law attorney feature.
0: Okay, awesome. And so some of the other things I'm going to re- remind our listeners about that were, that was great information is remembering about the bank account to make sure that that's attached to a power of attorney and just not your name slammed on there. Um, the VA benefits, you want to look into that because maybe before you may not have qualified, but maybe you do. And so um, advanced directives, having those difficult conversations, I think those are great That was great information we received. So thank you, Bob, so much for the information you provided us. Um, As usual, you provide a wealth of information. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Michelle, for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. So I just want to remind our listeners that our 2021 Atlanta Family Caregiver Expo is on November 20th. Um, You can find out more information about the Expo at callforcaring.org. The event is filled with home-based resources. People like Bob will be there to kind of guide about legal information, financial information. We have experts coming um, regarding that, a speaker series, a speaker series, disease-specific education like dementia, virtual dementia tours. And so we want you to be able to join us on that day. So again, if you visit callforcaring.org, you can find out more information as well as register. So the Call for Caring on Purpose podcast is part of the Finding Your Forte channel on Up to Me Radio at www.uptomeradio.com. It can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So we hope today's episode of Call for Caring on Purpose was informational for you, that we met our goal to educate, elevate, and empower caregivers. Thank you.